Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. When we look back over this last year, it's very much forced us all to live very differently, hasn't it? I'm quite sure that the last 15 months has seen you living a life that you've never lived quite before. Whilst we're all acutely aware of the stressful aspects of this, actually it hasn't all been negative, has it? For some, staying at home has actually almost been like moving to a new community. Daily walks have introduced them to neighbours they rarely met. Looking out for others has started friendships that didn't exist before. Shopping habits, rather than going to Tesco's two miles down the road, the man at the corner shop at the end of the street has suddenly become a vital source of supplies. And actually we've got to know him much better than we ever did. Earlier this week, I was reading an article in the London Evening Standard, and the journalist wrote the article, and it was simply entitled, 15-Minute City Living. 15-Minute City Living. And she said this, this was how she, she included her article. Despite living in Croydon for two years, I didn't truly get to know my neighbourhood until I ditched my city job in 2018 in favour of self-employment. Before I would flit endlessly in and out, forever running for a train to take me somewhere else. I would get a vague snapshot of the place on a Saturday morning, but it remained fuzzy around the edges. And come the evening, Soho would be calling, and I'd jump back on the train, seeking out dinner, drinks and entertainment in the West End. But with my change of work, circumstances came a more leisurely, more connected, more local lifestyle. Instead, I lingered over a chicky curry rice, chicky cup, chip. I lingered over a curry chicken, rice and peas at lunchtime at my local Caribbean, rather than going to Pret and grabbing a baguette. I attended yoga and meditation sessions just down the road. I took a weekly evening cookery class with my neighbours. Previously, we'd only ever exchanged pleasantries. I got to know every inch of my nearest park thanks to my new habit of walking and taking my work calls whilst out and about. In fact, I became far more invested in what was happening in the streets, buildings and public places directly around me. And then lockdown happened. And you know what? Millions of other Londoners found themselves doing the same. Overnight, we became locals. And one silver lining from the past year is that we've relished the chance to connect properly with our immediate locality. And while the thought of a complete shift back to the old ways, once the restrictions are lifted, isn't appealing, there is some good news. A new way of thinking might just let us hang on to some of these newfound perks. Welcome to the 15-minute city. 
what she was talking about was a theory that was based and developed by academics actually over the last 16 months, which argues that key services to every neighbourhood should be within 15 minute journey. You shouldn't have to go beyond 15 minutes to access every key service you would ever need. I wonder, as you think about your last 15 months, what are the new ways of living that you're going to be taking forward? The new things that you've done that will be going with you as you move on? The followers of Jesus have been told not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift promised by the Father, the Holy Spirit. And no doubt while they were wondering what that would actually mean for them, the Holy Spirit was not new to them. In his gospel, Luke speaks constantly of the Holy Spirit falling on people, being poured out on people, being given to people. There's not always a great deal of detail, and we're not always uh, we can't always assume that they knew and were aware that this was the Holy Spirit when it happened. But what we are aware of is that the effects were clear for all to see. The Spirit appeared at Jesus' baptism, and on his return from the wilderness, he directly applies a passage from Isaiah the prophet to himself. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. When the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples at Pentecost, the detail actually now is dramatic. We're told everything. The effects are also very clear. But I don't want to look at the event itself. I want to move on from the event itself this morning. And I want us to think more about what were the effects on their lifestyle of the Holy Spirit coming. Yes, we read straight away. They suddenly become very bold. They speak confidently of what they've seen in Jesus. What he taught them. But how did it actually affect the way they lived? Well, they were still a very Jewish community. They didn't suddenly become, in one click of a finger, a Christian community. Their traditions were still the same. They were a Jewish community. They had strict rules about their worship, about their food. And yet, what do we see here? As we read through Acts chapter 2, as we go to the end of Acts chapter 2, and we look at the model, we see them moving And living initially in a very new way. From orthodoxy, they move to simplicity. From orthodoxy to simplicity. If you look at the bottom of Acts chapter 2, that well-known passage, uh, 42 to 47, it describes the fellowship of the believers. And it tells us that they actually had four main functions. They devoted themselves to teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four simple things. 
And in the breaking of bread, let's, I, I, I think there's been a lot of scholarly argument about whether or not Luke is emphasizing the Lord's Supper or whether or not he's just actually talking about them eating together. And actually it would suggest this latter one because the, the verse simply says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It talked about the importance of fellowship, of getting together. Wow, haven't we seen that in the last week? Everything's open. Suddenly, we want fellowship. And we won't just want fellowship in our back garden. We want it in the places where we've had it before. It wasn't so much what they did. They were just four functional things. Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. It was how they did it. How they did it. Their attitudes were good. Their hearts were right. And they desperately wanted to maintain right relationships. They did things together and you almost sense they didn't want to be apart. They're behaving like teenagers on a date. When it comes, you can't wait for tomorrow and we'll start another one and then another one and then another one. When you get into your 50s, it's not quite like that anymore, is it? Eh? But actually, you sense, don't you, reading it, they devoted them. They wanted to be together all the time. You also sense, and this is this note of celebration, that actually there was constant celebration. There was constant praising God and thanking God for what he was doing. I often wonder, you know, do I have enough points of celebration in my life? Do we have enough points of celebration in our church? Because actually the model that they had was they were celebrating God's goodness all the time. There was no negativity. No cynicism, no critique. They just loved being together. And do you know what? You also sense that they took personal responsibility. Personal responsibility for their own well-being, as well as ensuring that they contributed to everybody else's well-being. It wasn't just a case of, you look after me, please. No, 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 no. I need to look after me, but I also need to contribute, so I'm contributing to you as well. Listen, I'm quite sure that this was not a perfect church. But do you know what? I seem to think, or what appears to me, that they seem to build on the right values and to simply pursue the right things. They built on the right values and simply pursued the right things. Their life together was based upon what was important to them. I don't know whether any of you have ever listened to or read any of Craig Grishel's uh, works or writings. Craig Grishel is the senior pastor at Life Church in the USA, a big mega church, but he's also been a, a regular speaker on the Global Leadership Summit. Craig Grishel, in one of his podcasts I was listening to recently, said this, right values result in right actions. 
They eliminate conflict. They keep you from doing the things you shouldn't do. Clear values reduce the need for policies and procedures. I like that idea. If the values are right, there's no need for big policies and procedures because actually it just happens well. Isn't that what was happening though in this Acts church? They did the right things in the right attitude. Do you remember going back to Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount? You'll know it well. Jesus spoke very frequently of righteous things that people were doing. But what was his criticism in the Sermon on the Mount? They were doing this righteousness, but not in the right attitude. Their prayer, their fasting. He was critical of it. He he actually acknowledged it happened. But he was critical of the fact that it was done in the wrong attitude. Let's be frank. Pentecost was a strange place for these followers of Jesus. It was a Jewish festival. They'd always celebrated a sort of like a harvest around this time. So they were used to a festival. But what happened on that first Pentecost was uncharted territory. And together in one place, this dramatic event would bring a new way of living from which they would not go back. God was doing something new that would change their accustomed ways. How do we apply that then? What do we apply to ourselves? We've been talking about living in a strange land these last few weeks. We acknowledge that it's probably not the final destination. It's not what it was six months ago. There's still a lot of unknown. We'd all probably prefer to be back in a former time when it was a lot more comfortable, where we knew the layout of the land. But you know what? I think sometimes we need something to move us out of the ordinary rhythms that we've grown accustomed to in our life. We need something that will shift us out of the ordinary rhythms that we've grown accustomed to. So let me ask you a question, because I'm asking this of me all the time. Has this time, these last 15 months, started to shift you out of some accustomed rhythms? Do you know what? If we welcome this disruption, if we welcome this disruption and open our eyes, maybe we'll see that God is preparing us to do something new, just like that day of Pentecost. In us and through us. So, this morning, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you about the things that you do and the attitude with which you do it? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about the things that you do and the attitude with which you do it? This way of living was never going to just be the only thing. Jesus had told them clearly they'd be witnesses in other places. And from the moment they'd answered the call, they knew that. The Holy Spirit had come upon them. They were speaking boldly. But let's be frank, at this moment in time, they didn't intentionally decide to become traveling evangelists. No. 
It was only as they started to experience persecution that he pushed them out onto the road. What if God was using this persecution to send them where they weren't ready to go? But actually what happened, wherever they went, those who'd been scattered at Acts chapter 8 preached the word wherever. I'm guessing they didn't embrace this persecution as an invitation to spread the good news. But let's be frank, did we ever imagine that what we've been through in the last 15 months, our church apart, are not using this building, would generate new opportunities for sharing the gospel? Probably not. We've done things we probably thought we'd never do. And you know what? This strange land that we find ourselves in at the moment might be just God's push. God's push for the church to explore new places and new people to engage with the good news in a way that we should probably have been doing all the time. Jesus. The the disciples were, were dispersed at a very early stage in their formation. They didn't have fixed formulation. They didn't have a set of beliefs. They didn't have rituals. They're not even told lessons on how they were to spread the news. And so what they did was very different in different places. It became a very diverse and adaptable movement. Jesus gave them the commission to go. And as they moved into new communities, they decided that they were going to be a lot more inclusive. They would adapt. They would have to change. And you know what? They'd take on board preaching to the poor as well. They'd take on board healing in communities they never thought. And you know what? Funnily enough, many, many years down the line, Paul would write to the Galatian church and he would say this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. You see, and this is my final point, The Holy Spirit challenges the barriers that people put up between those who are in and those who are out. The Holy Spirit challenges the barriers that people put up between those who are in and those who are out. The Holy Spirit doesn't know such barriers. Well, as we come to the end of our meeting this morning, on this Pentecost day, as we think about the last year, we've fostered a better sense of community, haven't we? We've clapped for carers, we've shopped for our neighbours, we've engaged with those local to us in ways we've not done before. So how are we going to keep this going as we come out of this lockdown? Do you know what the lady in the evening standard gave me the answer? She said this, We keep this going by continuing to invest time, energy and empathy in our local area and then we take that collective spirit beyond it. Last 15 months I've driven in places of Birmingham I've never been before in my life. When people haven't come here to pick up their parcel and I've had to go to them. I've driven to communities in this city that I didn't even know existed. 
And there's a great challenge to me to live in a new way, in a new place. And that's the simple message of the morning. We're all to live in a new way, in a new place. That's what the early Christians did. And maybe that is exactly what the Holy Spirit is awakening us to do in this strange land of ours. So let's pray that God will be open to see this season as an opportunity for us to live in a new way, in a new place. How will you do it? Will you live in a new way, in a new place? Let's pray together. Father God, this morning, your message is very simple to us. You challenge our attitudes. You challenge the things that are important to us. You challenge the manner in which we do the things that we've done for many years. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit coming on us on this day to just bring a bit of reawakening for us. To not just touch us, to re-energize us but to church us, to, to think of new ways, just as you did to those early disciples, from orthodoxy to simplicity. Lord, may you touch us to look at a new way, new attitudes that we can have to be the people you want us to be in this world. Open our eyes to the season and this season and the opportunities to live in a new way in new places. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.